Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand firm media. Welcome to Race Relations Radio, brought to you by StandFirmMedia.com. I'm Hank, and I am joined by Rick. Rick, how are you? I'm great. Well, we are going to talk about the George Floyd case some more. Uh, the trial just transpired earlier in the week. I think it was on my birthday. That the verdict came out? Yep. I think you're right. And I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with this on my birthday. But um, lots to unpack here. Uh, he, the jury had found him guilty on all counts uh, of the death of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. No sentencing yet. And that's going to be the main thing. But he was found guilty of unintentional second degree murder, third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Uh, do you think those were the right charges? Yeah, I, I say they were the right charges because they got a conviction. I was very concerned if they would charge him with something that they couldn't prove and somehow the defense would convince the jury to let him off, which would have caused a lot more outrage. Right. And I, I think having the right charges to score a conviction is a step in the right direction because some of the cases in the past where the public perception is that there's an injustice and then the justice system doesn't work like they wanted it to is partly because of an overzealous prosecutor going for a charge that they aren't able to make a good enough case to get a conviction where let's say the example with Trayvon Martin's death, if the prosecutor there had gone after George Zimmerman for unintentional homicide, I think that's open shut. You've got a conviction, but he went for a big charge and he couldn't prove it. And People were not happy. Now, I'm going to get into some of the stuff that I thought was uh, ugly and things that I did not like. Okay. One, first and foremost, let's talk about our last video. Last Mm -hmm. video is up on YouTube. It's part of a podcast. So please subscribe to the podcast. So I sent Rick a photograph of the video being taken down. Now, it says video deleted. And then when I asked for a reason, it said the video was too long. Yeah. (laughs) The video is like 35 minutes. I know. There's like 10-hour videos on YouTube. But what is so interesting is this was the day of the uh, verdict. Uh-huh. And the next day, guess what? It's back. Yeah. And, and in fact, it was probably back after the verdict. Yeah. But I, I just felt like it was kind of like a shadow banning or something like that. Uh-huh. Like maybe YouTube was afraid of people going and clicking on that stuff at that point in yes. time. And what troubles me is that and... I kept hearing people throughout the day say, this is what we want to see, or this is what I want to see. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, the judicial system is cooked if we go down that path. Right. And that's an important thing to think about when we use the word justice in referring to things is if you really want justice, what does that mean? Does it mean I get my way and I'm and I'm happy with the results of whatever? Or should it be the law gets applied fairly the way it should to, to every person, uh, every person, no matter their color or status or any of those factors, is entitled to a defense? That's our system. And they're entitled to know what the charges are. That's our system. Um, we have things that have been in place a long time in this country towards certain things. Now, yeah, there's cases of injustice in the past where those things don't get applied equally and all of that. Um, 
personally, I think a lot of times the explanation for that lies in differing jurisdictions, differing uh, people having influence on how that case goes. Uh, because I, but it, but it can happen in the same place. Because I, I know of cases right here in the county I live in that involve, uh, say, sexual assault of a child, where there are really different outcomes depending on circumstances to do with the case or the perpetrator or the victim or the victim's family. And all those things can make it seem like, wow, this one, they threw the book at the guy and this one, they let the guy off easy. And, and people look at that and they think it's not justice, but it is part of the system. And uh, uh, other things that were concerning were uh, certain politicians seem like they were chiming in and almost, almost saying like, Go ahead and cause some destruction if this doesn't go your way. Oh, yeah. I I was very out of the news loop because I was on vacation. Uh, but I did see little things pop up on Twitter or on Facebook when I occasionally looked at it. And, uh, and I saw there were some calls for things where people felt someone was almost encouraging uh, people to have a license to be violent if they weren't happy about the outcome. Right. And, and I think that's terrible. I, I think that's terrible for anyone to do that uh, because violence is not the right response to not getting your way about something. Um, if you think the reason something went wrong had something to do with the system, try to change the system through elections and through the people that are supposed to run the system yep. or lobby your congressman to get the laws changed so that in the future it doesn't go this way. Uh, but violence is not a, not an appropriate response in, in any case. And in we're starting opinion. to get to that mob mentality is what I'm what I'm really right. worried about is just uh you know, we want this to happen. Oh, it didn't happen. Well, you either follow us or you get destroyed. We're starting to see that in entertainment where you either agree with us or we destroy you. Um, you know, we had another situation we'll get to on another show where uh, an NBA player basically put a cop's life and family at absolute risk because you know, didn't have any information, just ready to go off half cocked. And we have got to do better as a people. That's part of what I talked about in our last episode, as far as myself, not trying to get emotional about cases and trying to look at the facts and, and try to judge fairly. And, uh, there's, if I don't have information to go on, I don't try to make any kind of a definitive statement one way or another. And if and I've had people ask me my opinion before about something and I don't have much to go on and I'll, and I'll say, as far as I know, this is what I say. I, you know, I could get information that might completely change my mind, but as far as what I know right now, this is what I'm willing to say, but I, but I don't want to go off and encourage somebody to do anything you know, without having a, a full understanding of the picture of what happened already. So now as we get ready to what I call brace for impact when mm -hmm. it comes to sentencing. Yeah. Do you have any, any kind of uh, expectations on the sentencing for this case? Do you think they're going to go purposefully super hard on the surface where it looks like, you know, throw away the key. They they could. 
they they might do that. Um, I don't know much about the judge if he's a if he's a judge that does things like that or not, and I don't know how Minnesota's rules are. If if the sentences for the different crimes are going to be concurrent, or if one could come after another, you know, if they get okay. stacked. Okay. Um, and I know that they. I, I had heard like before the trial even began a suggestion that the normal expectation for getting a guilty verdict on a charge like this could be as low as five years. Yeah. Even though in they can say, Hey, the judge could give the guy 40 or whatever, right. you know, uh, the, a lot of times the judge takes many different factors into consideration though. And, uh, Derek Chauvin chose not to take the stand. So you don't have, I don't know if he gets any input into asking for leniency or anything, you know, if he, if he'll be able to do that. Um, I would imagine to me from watching that video and seeing how cold he seemed to be and callous uh, about what he was doing, you know, unless he was just absolutely unaware of the idea that he could be costing someone his life with what he was doing, which is hard to, hard to believe. Um, you have to take responsibility for that. You, you took away another man's life. You, you know, the years that he would have lived, he's he's not getting because of your actions. You have to pay a penalty for that, and it has to be, it it ought to be somewhat severe. It can't it can't be viewed as lenient. And the bad thing is, it if it is, even if it's in sentencing guidelines. If it looks lenient to people, some people are going to use that as an excuse for for a violent reaction, right? Which is really sad. I, I can understand a protest. I can understand someone not being happy about it. I'm not. I'm not saying they should be happy if it goes that way, but I I really hope and pray that we don't get more destruction or or looting or anything like that, no matter how it goes. And and technically. Any sentence you give is not going to be enough. You know, right. I don't I don't know what Minnesota's laws are. I don't think, you know, they didn't give them a charge where you could get a death penalty. I don't even know if they have it there. We don't have it in Wisconsin. Um, but, I mean, there are people who, who would look at a certain case and want somebody to get more time than they get. Of um, course. And I, <laughs> I can only speak on Michigan, but I have, in my reckless past, personally known people who have been uh, charged with these kind of crimes, not first degree, but less the lower degree. Yeah. Of murder. And I'm telling you, they were, they were out lickety split. I'm talking five years or less. Yeah. It, it would be hard for me to picture that happening in this case for a couple of reasons. Uh, I think because you have the three charges and not just one, I think possibly also with his record, I, I was surprised that some of the pre-trial jockeying that the the lawyers and stuff on both sides did for let us introduce this thing into evidence. And some of that stuff was never used, like Derek Chauvin's past record of having some other violent incidents as a police officer. And since they weren't introduced in that part of the case, I don't know whether they're allowed to be introduced as something to be a factor in the sentencing, okay. right? But you would think, you know, if if you go technically, this is the first time he's been charged, then that counts as being a first offender. That usually qualifies for a lighter sentence. Uh, but 
also knowing what the republic response could be to a lighter sentence, the judge may be mindful in the sense that he doesn't want to incur people's wrath. But he I don't like incur that. people's wrath against him. I, I, I don't like that. If the yeah. if our system becomes about jurors and judges fearful for their safety by what they say, it's no different than the cancel culture in entertainment. And, and we cannot become that. Right. And, and that's a dangerous thing on, in the case of, you know, the Bible talks about not letting the guilty go free and not letting the innocent be convicted. And also talks about not respecting a person's station in life. You don't, don't do things to benefit the rich over the poor or vice versa. It even mentions, you know, don't favor the poor over the rich either. It, everyone is supposed to be treated the same. And that's the idea of our system. So the, Technically, this, the length of the sentence should be in line with whatever's normal. Yeah. But I, I'm going to guess it's going to at least be a little extra towards the higher number, I, I would expect. Yes. And, and again, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't know much about their laws as far as probation and things like that, you know, because you can say 33 years, but a guy could be out in 10 or, you know, whatever. Fraction of that. And, and, and so, Depending, I mean, here's the thing: his life is actually going to be at risk when he's in prison. Oh, definitely. And we know he's we know he's going to prison, so he's probably going to have to be in like a maximum security lockdown by himself kind of thing, or a special unit where only other you know former policemen are there or something like that. Otherwise, he may not live to get out of prison. No, you know. Nope. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's scary. You stuff, know, but. You, cer you certainly can't put him in general population. That's no. for sure. No, you know? no. Uh, so he's got a road ahead of him. He's going to pay a penalty, you know, for what he did. And we'll, we'll see if it's sufficient or not. The, the thing that I hope this does for our society and our discussions about race and, and these issues is that I'm hoping that for some of those people that have lost faith in the system because of past things they've seen that this does a little bit to push him back in the in the way of seeing that the system can work because he didn't get away with it yes that that would be great and then if we could just get consistency across the nation on, that would be nice <laughs> on situations and and such but we can't get consistency with wearing a face mask <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I, I've just I've just come off of two weeks of traveling and I've been in different states. You you go into one state and everywhere you go, you're supposed to have the mask on in public outdoors and in every business. And then you stop at the welcome center in another state and walk in and nobody wears a mask and there's no sign about it. There's only a warning about six foot distance, you know, ridiculous one state to another state. Technically, though, the, the state that in the two that I'm thinking of. The state that has the higher enforcement also has the higher amount of cases right now. So it's almost like, how did the germs know to go there and attack those people wearing <laughs> the masks? Because they aren't getting these people over here walking around without them somehow. All right. But that's a whole different show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. And, and they are fact checking even podcasts on that. Yeah, they are. It's crazy. Even even jokes on Facebook. Yep. They have a little notice underneath. Like, here's uh -huh. the real information. You know, like, oh, give me a break. Yeah, I, I got one of those during the election. Yeah, me too. I had, <laughs> I had several. But uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up on this topic is uh, I have a lot of 
law enforcement friends and fam and family members and such. Yeah. But I've been talking about this off air. I also have concerns about just saying I back the blue. Right. Just because to me, when I hear certain people saying that right now, I'm I feel like okay, you're backing them when they're doing wrong too. Mm -hmm. And I think these cases should be on a case-by-case -case basis because I have good, close friends who are either law enforcement or former law enforcement, love uh -huh. them dearly, and they don't do these kind of things. And then I know other officers that do crazy, shady things, sketchy things. They say sketchy stuff. And I'm like, I don't back that. How about we just coin the slogan, let's back the truth. That would be nice. <laughs> That's a t-shirt coming soon. Although, <laughs> although, unfortunately, today people argue about what that is, too. You know, we know who the truth is. All right. Some people, well, yes, there's the, <laughs> the undeniable truth. Yeah, and we both you. know that. So, you know, this this won't never be one of those shows where you can get two hosts getting too uh, vicious arguing with one, <laughs> one another about things because we, we're coming kind of from the same place, even though we have some different backgrounds and different experiences. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it should be, I, I know what you're saying. It's similar to a phrase like anything that involves BLM or right. you say black lives matter, right. right? It has a meaning, but then to some people, it means something different. And then some people just seeing it sets them off with a, some reaction or response, either positive or negative about it. And you, most people, you're not getting the opportunity to have any conversation to find out exactly what context they even mean it in. Right. And back the badge is similar. It's a phrase someone wants to throw out there and popularize to show support, but it can also be, it can also look at it and, and it rubs you the wrong way. Uh, you know, and you're right. Backing the truth would be the best thing. And I, I have confidence that the majority the majority has to be in favor of stopping bad cops. The majority has to be also in favor of stopping criminals because nobody wants to be the victim of a criminal, you know, and, and uh, there's a conflict there, you know, when, you know, circumstances are that the interaction between the officer and, and someone else starts as a result of that person actually doing something wrong. Right. There are cases where it doesn't seem like anything wrong was done and, and you get a negative interaction. But there's also cases where if someone would just submit to the authority and, and go along with things, then the other things that were bad would never have happened. I want to make this clear, too. There are, uh, I'd say, the vast majority of police are good. Right. I think you're just seeing this small little subset you're finally seeing them on camera. Right. I think with cell phones being, uh, you know, able to record and, and you can use Twitter and whatever, uh, YouTube to distribute the information so readily now, it's easy for the whole world to see a negative thing that happened. Right. 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 So, so these things that used to happen on a basis day to day and here and there, that only people that knew about it were the participants and the few people that they told about it. Now it can become a worldwide news event that, you know, someone dissed someone, you know, whatever they did and, uh, and everyone in the world will know about it or, or see it, see that it happened. So I think there's two things from that in, in one way it's good in exposing things. So people don't get away with doing something they shouldn't do. 
uh, but it's also makes people seem to think because you have a great awareness of all these incidents that there's a lot happening and it's worse than it's been. When, if you go back and look at history, a hundred years ago, there were more acts of violence against people of color and no one was got in trouble for it. And that's terrible. And it's good that we've made progress to where we are today where you can't get away with it. I mean, who can do some of the things that have been done in the past today? You couldn't do those things and get away with it. No, not at, not at all. And I, I do think on another show, we should uh, revisit like the crime and stuff like that, because there's also just like the misconception about the, the cops being heavily weighted bad, which is false. There's also this uh, misunderstanding that the ba- black population commits all these crimes, a bunch of us, but it's just a small subset of the black population that commits crimes. They commit crimes over and over and over and over and over again to a great right. extent, but it's the same little group. And I'll get the FBI statistics together because I, I had them together for the show we did before. But I know I know what you're saying. And, and it's I think it's part of the media, the news media helps create that impression with people that, yep. you know, they see things and, and it, and it can go both ways because any person can seize on an isolated incidence and then pull a detail out of it and start to try to characterize everyone who shares that detail with that person as if they, as if they would be in the doing the same thing. And it's not true. We're all individuals. We have, we have different labels that you can stick on us and, in um, you're each responsible for your own individual actions, in my opinion. When I see a person, that's one of those things about what they call prejudice. Prejudice is like prejudging, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I see a person, I don't try to assume anything about that person to be true that's positive or negative just by their appearance. I can tell you, I've honestly struggled with having a negative response to people that are heavily tattooed or heavily pierced, especially in their face, um, because to me it's negative. Yet I have blood relatives that are in those <laughs> categories, and I have people that I've gotten to know that are in those categories that are that are just like anybody else. It's just when I first see them, I, I'm a little put off by that appearance. Okay, and that's the old impression of like a. a a person crossed the street because they saw me coming, but they did it because of my ex, you know, ex, whatever you want, fill in blank, yeah. you know, gender, yeah. sexual orientation, skin color. And, and you don't know unless they actually told you, hey, this is the reason <laughs> I went across the street, why they crossed the street. But, but you're assuming that that's why. Yeah. Right. And that's and that's one of the bad things we have to struggle with in our relations between each other is when people make these mistaken assumptions about why somebody did something. You can't see into that person's brain. This was a big thing about this trial. Uh, I should, I'm glad I just remembered this. When George Floyd first died, a lot of people painted it as a racial crime. And they talked about if Derek Chauvin was a racist, none of that ever came up in the trial. They never tried to use that as far as I'm aware, you know, unless unless it happened and I completely missed, I didn't watch all the trial, but I would think it'd be in the news headlines if it had been a factor. Right. And his and wife I, is a minority, isn't she? I don't know. I, I don't know much I, about I, the guy at all. I believe his <laughs> wife is a minority. Like, I believe she's of Asian descent, I believe. And there were people that 
walked around and said that race had something to do with it. And I was like, but how do you know that? You don't know what that guy was thinking. You don't know why he did that. There were some people who thought because at one point, apparently they both George Floyd and Derek Chauvin had worked at the same nightclub in some form of security or something like that, that maybe there was a personal animosity involved, that he recognized him and he had a beef with him or something. Uh, and that never came up in the trial either uh, as a suggestion. But these are the kinds of things that some people say in media or in social media. And and there's always speculation because, you know, the news channels, they get, they run in 24 hours a day and they want to talk, talk, talk and throw out ideas and suggest possibilities. But what does it really come down to when you have a trial and, and they have to convince this jury of people? They're not even going there. No, no, nope. you know. But it's it's good to gaslight the nation, and uh, we're running right. out of time. Um, but that's his ex-wife, by the way. Oh, is <laughs> I, it? Okay. I stand corrected. She must have throughout this situation or or something. She must have. I have split. I have two points I wanted to mention before we end this episode, and that's that in the future we also there's a possibility of appeal. I don't think it's a very good one. So I'm, I'm thinking there's probably not an appeal. Uh, and that was one of the concerns before the trial began was what if something happens and there's some way he could appeal, you know, what would that do? Uh, the other is you're going to have the trial of the other officers. And I'm not familiar with which charges they gave them. I did see the body cam videos from each of those officers during this trial. Uh, I watched all of it. Uh, actually, I watched more than what they presented to the jury on one of those because I found it on YouTube and he had about 10 more minutes of footage that wasn't shown to the jury. From watching those, when you charge people as an accessory uh, to someone's death, you, there's a certain amount of responsibility. You know, what's your responsibility in contributing to it versus what's your responsibility in allowing it to happen? You know, you're a police officer. Your job is to serve and protect, right? So to be dismissive of a person as they're losing their life uh, seems pretty egregious. And uh, coming down the road, I'm sure each of those trials is going to get quite a bit of attention. And there's a possibility that, you know, if someone makes a good enough argument for leniency or doesn't get convicted of the charge they apply to them, that we could have more difficulty in the future because of that. Most certainly. Well, Rick, we have come to the end. I appreciate you t carving out the time to talk about this. I'm happy to do it. And <laughs> I'm glad I got back from vacation early and we could do this in <laughs> a timely too. manner. Because when the, the trial, really, they deliberated a very short time. Yeah, they uh, did. Which is, which is good because it really shows that, you know, it, it, it wasn't much of a question about, you know, what he did and, and being guilty. Yes. And I think that's good. For more Christian-based conversations, you can head to StandFirmMedia.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast because we'll put this video up on YouTube and it may or may not stay up. <laughs> so We'll see. We will see. <laughs> but for Rick, I'm Hank. Until the next time, we're signing off. Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand Firm Media.